Hi, and welcome to the Vine Community Church Podcast. We hope that what you're about to hear will help you to flourish in God's grace and bear fruit through loving God, loving each other, and loving our community. And good morning. And uh, just it's beautiful time of year, two weeks till Easter. It's getting exciting, right? And thanks be to God as we celebrate today his resurrection how great our God really is. I want to welcome you here today. If you're here in person, I'm John Adams, uh, here lead pastor at The Vine. And if you're here online, welcome. We are so glad you're here today as we come and gather around God's word today. And, you know, what is the main reason people are not religious or people push back on Christianity? And here's just a couple reasons They've, they've, a lot of people say they've seen too many legalistic Christians. Or they, they've had some intellectual or emotional kind of struggles with religion. Or maybe they feel like religion has been made up and somehow uh, no re- one religion has the sole grasp on truth. Or uh, some say that Christianity is a religion that's exclusive, way too exclusive and not inclusive enough. Or some have said also Christians, you know, kind of have let them down. Even from the famous people out there or, or even your next door neighbor who claims to know Jesus. And some others say that, that Christianity is a religion of do's and don'ts. And, you know, God's going to make me give up my fun if I come to know him and believe in Christianity. You see, people can struggle with Christianity and for many different reasons. And today we're going to see a conversation from God's word about a young man who believed that Christianity really was about do's and don'ts. And he comes to Jesus and in essence, he asks them this very important question. It's this, what makes a person acceptable to God? What makes a person acceptable to God? And as we, we are in a series called, What Do You Think? And it matters what you all think. And, uh, and, and at the same time, we want to know what God thinks. So we're going to dive into our study of Mark's gospel And we're going to look at this question today by looking at Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. So if you have your Bibles, turn there with me and and let's uh, hear and listen and say, God, let us uh, understand what your word is saying and, and apply it to our lives. This is Mark chapter 10 and verse number 17. And as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept for my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor 
and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how difficult it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the the disciples were amazed at his words. But Jesus said to them again, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And then they were exceedingly astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Peter began to say to him, see, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last first. This is God's holy, beautiful word. Thanks be to him that he has revealed us, himself to us through his great word. So before we answer that question, what makes a person acceptable to God? I want to tell you a couple things that won't make you acceptable to him. And here they are, your good works and your money. First of all, your good works. In the Old Testament, the term good was typically reserved only for God. And here in verse 17, the young man comes to Jesus and addresses him, good teacher, And and this is unparalleled in all of the Old Testament because it was almost always reserved and exclusive to God himself. The young man then shows his heart when he went on to ask this question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Did you guys hear that? Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? eternal life. That's a question that many of us probably have asked God. And we have thought about what is it, how do you get into relationship and be accepted by God? You see, this young man did not understand that it's childlike faith that he needed to trust God in what he did and his work. Jesus had just taught the disciples, if you look in your Bibles, at Mark chapter 10, verses 13 through 16, that you had to be like a little child. A helpless dependence was what was needed to trust him and to know your need. And in response to this young man's question, Jesus answers him with a question, which he often did. 
We see it in verse 18. And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You see, what Jesus is saying here is this. Do you really know who I am? You see, standing for the young man was the very source of goodness himself. It was God. Jesus, who was fully human and he was fully God, is standing before this man and he is trying to compare him to all the other rabbis or teachers. And Jesus, as he stands before him, he quotes, he goes on to quote from the Old Testament in the Ten Commandments in verse number 19. Look at it, it says, You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. You see, Jesus is not making light of the Ten Commandments. He's actually affirming them and showing the young man and us that he had a need and he could not and we cannot keep them. We need God's work. You see, Jesus here in this passage bypasses the first four commandments um, that are essentially quoted uh, here. He essentially quotes the last section of Exodus chapter 20 verses 12 through 16 and Deuteronomy chapter 5 verses 16 through 20. Except he adds in, do not defraud, which is a reference to Deuteronomy 24, 14. And we see that the young man has this way overinflated view of his goodness. When he replies to Jesus, look at it, verse 20, he says, and he said to him, teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. Now, come on now. It's hard for some of us to see our sin, isn't it? And it's almost impossible at times unless we say, Lord, reveal my sin to me. In the South, if we were, the young man was coming, was in our presence, we'd say, oh, bless your heart. You really, really, really don't understand your sinfulness. And we know that in the Bible, for example, in, in Romans 3, it says there's no one good enough. There's no one, in essence, righteous, perfect. No, not one. No one has perfectly kept the commandments. No one has attained the standard of perfection. We've all failed, and even the best of us have done so. And so do you understand that you are needy and that you can not do enough good, good enough to help yourself except to receive the gift of help that you really need? You see, you and I need to receive the gift of eternal life and, and to constantly say, God, help me be satisfied with you and the life you give. You see, your good works will not give you acceptance with God. You can't be good enough. But secondly, your money. Your money will not make you acceptable to God. You see, in theory, this guy could have given all his stuff away, even without a heart change, right? 
He could have given it all away. And still, his heart could have done it with relying on himself and his own actions, his own works. In Mark 10, 21, it says, And Jesus, looking at him, loved him, and said to him, You lack one thing. Go sell all that you have and give it to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. This young man, I mean, he looked like a person who was absolutely acceptable. He was a good citizen. He would have been a guy you would have loved to have as a neighbor. You would have hired him in an instant if you, could, if you were an employer. You would like him as a friend. You would even want him in your family. This guy was good. And yet still Jesus said, you lack one thing. You're not good enough because you lack this one thing you must have. And the beautiful thing here is that Jesus, it says in verse 21 that he looked at the man. He looked at him. Now, when we look at people, we look on the outside. We can kind of know, hey, that guy's got some money. That's pretty impressive. Look at, you know, look at the car he drove up in. Look at the clothes he has. Look at the ring on his finger. Look at the style of that person and that family. And we can see from the outside and we can say, well, that's pretty impressive, isn't it? But you know what? God is not impressed with our wealth, with what we have. You know, my father-in-law used to say this all the time. His, his dad was an Italian immigrant and, and he, father-in-law, did very well in education, became a doctor and such and just a godly man. And more than anything, he loved Jesus. But he used to say when he, people got a little over-impressed with their money and stuff, he'd say, you know, it's all, John, it's all wood, hay, and stubble. It's all going to burn. And it's true. You guys, God is not impressed with what we do or what we've earned or what we have. You know, he looks at the heart. He looks at the inside. And here when it says that Jesus loved him, this word love is not de dependent on any conditions. There's no strings attached. It's not because this, Jesus loved this man because he looked good or because he was rich or because he, Jesus thought, this guy could help me fund my ministry. No, it wasn't because of any of that. Jesus looked at the inside of this man. And saw the value of the man's soul. And his in, inward, eternal value created by God. And Jesus again in verse 21 says, you lack. Though he loved him, you lack one thing. And he did it tenderly but firmly. You, you might remember the story about two sisters in Bethany. Mary and Martha. Mary and Martha were wonderful sisters, but they were very different. Mary, do you remember what kind of woman she was? She was a woman who was just real content with hanging out with Jesus. She spent lots of time, it says, hanging out with him, spending time with him, and actually worshiping him. She 
adored being in the presence of Jesus and all the other tasks. When she was with Jesus, they all passed away. She was content just to be with him. Martha, on the other hand, was the kind of person you'd want to employ at your work. I mean, in fact, if you went to dinner, you'd want Martha cooking for you. She had an absolute meticulous house. Her cooking was fabulous. Her meals, were, her spread was incredible. She worked so hard. But Jesus looked at Martha. And in Luke 10, 42, he said to her, but one thing is necessary, Martha. Mary, your sister who's just sitting here worshiping, adoring me, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. You see, church, in this passage, Jesus is saying to the rich young man, you're missing or lacking the very one thing crucial that you need, and it's me. It's dependence on me. It's a faith in my work, in what I can do, and not in what you can achieve or earn. And in verse 21, Jesus says, in essence, there's three things that the young, rich man, young man needed to do. And these things were sort of like unscalable walls that that rich young man could not get over because he could not realize his need. And the first one was, he said, sell your possessions. Now, now why did God say to him, sell your possessions? Now, let me pause for a second. If you, have you been a Christ follower for a while? Has anyone in this room had God say to you, sell all your possessions? Hmm? I haven't met one in a while. He, I'm kind of thankful he hasn't told me to sell all my possessions, honestly. But to this young man, he says, sell all your possessions. Well, you know, the Bible has lots of rich people who followed him. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I mean, Joseph was a prince of Egypt. David, king of Israel. Solomon, one of the richest persons in the history. There were plenty of people who had lots of money, who still followed God. So that's not the... the He's not saying this is a rule that when you come to God, you have to give away all that you have. No, he's not saying that at all. What is he saying then? He's saying something much deeper. He's saying sell your possessions because your possessions have become like an idol, like a god to you. You see, this rich young ruler, he went through, <laughs> Jesus went through the last six commandments, but the first commandment, if you remember from the Ten Commandments, is, anyone know it? You shall have no other gods before me. Here, this rich young ruler, by the way, like us, had grasped hold of other idols or other gods. He had made his achieving, his goodness, and even his wealth like a God that he was relying on ultimately rather than coming to God with just his need. You know, like the old hymn, nothing 
in my hands I bring simply to the cross I cling. Now, there was none of that for this young man. He was holding on to his stuff and on to his goodness and on to his works. And Jesus loved this man even so, and he was imploring him, just let go of that. Let go, first of all, your possessions. Secondly, give to the poor. And then thirdly, just simply follow me. Take up your cross. Just follow me. And what was the young man's response? It's a sad one. It says in verse 22, disheartened by the saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. This young man was rich, probably a high achiever. And he had this double whammy of self-reliance, trusting in not only his good works, but in his wealth. And it was all about what he could do or achieve or earn. And Jesus is saying, look, lay it all down. Come to me. Know your need. You need your... And, and, and church, the question today that God is asking us, do you know your need? Do you know your need? You see, this man likes us was unwilling to repent of his worship of wealth, but also his sin of unbelief that Jesus is enough. And he had idols, comfort, security, approval of men. These were just some of them. You know, some of us don't deal with struggles with wealth. But we want to be good. We want to be secure. We want to be approved. We want some kind of comfort. There's something that, that, that's driving us. Maybe it's not riches. Maybe it is. But God is calling us today to say, look, come to me. Acknowledge your need for a Savior. You see, it is easy for us to get accustomed to a certain lifestyle if we, and, and we really don't want to lose it. And it's often... Sometimes more in our life about guarding our wealth rather than giving away our lives. Therefore, wealth, and sometimes it happens this way, can become more and more about me. And we get so caught up, you know, kind of in our stuff. Whatever we think we have to earn, enough good works, or enough money, it's not enough. The rich man, it says, went away from Jesus. This word went away means literally to follow another person. And the other person the rich man and ruler followed was himself. He had become his own self-savior rather than acknowledging his need for God, Jesus, to be his savior. And we do this too. Maybe again, you don't do that by thinking I can achieve enough work. Maybe you think I can never be acceptable to God. I can never, even with his work, he won't really love me. Or, you know, you have a, we have a hundred different applications of the ways we fail to rely and trust in Jesus and him alone. Well, we've looked at two things Two things here 
that will not make you acceptable to God. But let's look finally of what will make you acceptable to God. And you know the answer, don't you? Jesus. Jesus is enough. After Jesus' conversation with this rich young man, the 12 disciples were scratching their heads, in essence saying, I don't get it. To paraphrase their question in verse 26, it's something like this. If doing enough good doesn't make a person acceptable to God, then what does? The 12, again, thought like many of us, even who are Christ followers, that doing achievement stuff makes a person acceptable to God. But you see what Jesus says to him very clearly in verse 27. Jesus looked at them. You see, he didn't look at their outside. He wasn't impressed. These were fishermen. He looked at their heart and said to them, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Immediately after this conversation, what does Jesus teach about in Mark 10, 32 through 34? Just to, just to remind you of the context of this passage. Remember, it began with Jesus and his 12 up in the north part of Israel, north of the Sea of Galilee, and they were traveling 70 plus miles to Jerusalem. And what would happen in Jerusalem? Jesus would be arrested. He would be innocently accused. He would die on a cross and he would rise again on the third day. And he kept reminding them, not just once, but twice. And in Mark 10, 32 through 34, we see a third time. He tells them, I'm going to Jerusalem to do the work you need. I am perfect. And I'm going to die on a cross. And I am going to take the penalty that you deserve because of your sins. I am going to take all your badness and take it upon myself. Why? So when I die, I won't stay dead and hallelujah, I will be raised on the third day. And I will bust forth and sin will be shattered and I will give you my life of righteousness for all you who believe in me and trust in me. I will make you good and acceptable if you believe in me and me alone. Look at that's the message of the gospel, guys. Do we believe this? Do we believe that Jesus is enough? So what's the response of the 12? It might be what some of our responses are going out of here this Sunday. <laughs> Look at in verses 34 through 35 of chapter 10. They start arguing about who's getting the best seat in heaven. They don't get it. They're clueless. Just like most all of us. And Jesus drives home the reason he came, the, his mission of love and rescuing love for all people who would trust in him. In Mark 10.45, he says this very clearly and poignantly. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve 
and give his life a ransom for many. Give his life a ransom for many. What is that? When he died on the cross, ransom money was paid. Everything was paid to God for the sins of every person who believes in Jesus. He paid the price. The cost was utterly steep. The Son of God died. Jesus, the Lord of the heavens and the earth, died on the cross so that you and I could be made acceptable to God. We could be forgiven of our sins because Jesus paid the ransom. And we were given, 2 Corinthians 5.21 and other passages say, the righteousness of God. He credits to our spiritual accounts, if you will, his perfect righteousness. This is good news. Do you know this God? Do you believe that Jesus alone is enough and can make you acceptable to God. If you're here today, whether online or in person, and you don't know Jesus, look, you know, you can chase after your life. Yeah, it's not about, you're not saved by coming to church or doing good works. No. The only way you are acceptable to God is humbling yourself and saying, Jesus, I have a need. Break my heart and help me to receive your work. That's called his grace. That's saying, God, I open my heart and my life to your, your work and what you've done for me. And if you've never done that before, I'd encourage you. I'd, I'd plead with you to consider this. To even just pray simply, Lord, right now I receive your work. Jesus, you are enough. If you just prayed this prayer or something like that right now online or in person, will you let someone know? It would be such a great joy for us to help you begin that journey of faith. That what we call around here the journey to flourish and just bear fruit for him. But see, if you do know Christ today, if you love him and know him, you have to constantly be saying, no, it's not because of my works. It's not because of my righteousness. It's not my efforts. It's not my riches. It's not how I look. It's not what I do. It's not what I've accomplished. Or It's not any of that. Jesus, you are enough. I don't just say it with words. Help me to believe it in my heart. Help me to cling to that truth in my life. You know, we sing often around here this, this chorus, and we're going to sing it in just a minute. It goes this way. I am not what I make. I am who you have made me to be. I am not what I've done. I am loved unconditionally. I am not loved by the measure of love that I bring. I am not who I know. I am known by the king of all kings. Jesus, 
You are enough. Jesus, you are enough for me. Lord, with nothing, I still have everything. Jesus, Jesus, you are enough for me. Let us together, as we prepare our hearts for his supper, communion, let's sing and prepare our hearts and minds, declaring what we know and asking us to believe these words and be changed by them.
Thanks so much for joining us for this podcast. For more information, you can visit us online at thevinecc.com, download our mobile app, or visit us on Facebook or Instagram at thevinecc. Have a great week.